Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Shedcast. And this is episode 150 of Putting It Together. Yes, that's right. Welcome along to episode 150 of Putting It Together, which at the moment is in a big takeover by Shedcast, which is the official podcast of the Sheddenborough Fringe Festival. I'm Brian O'Sullivan and welcome along to Shedcast and indeed to Putting It Together. I hope you're well. It's been an exciting few days so far and the excitement is not over yet by far. Um, If you want to see what's coming up at the Sheddenborough Fringe Festival, remember you can go to sheddenborough.com. Easy as you like. Gorgeous website. Tells you everything you need to know. These performances are one-offs. They are not available for download. You can't rewind them. You can't pause them. They're one-offs. So if you want to see them, you go to shedmirror.com, you click tickets, and you can donate anything from £4 up to see these shows. If there's a show that you've missed, but you'd still like to support that artist or support the fund through that artist, you can still give through the crowdfunder. So the tickets link is still open for each of the shows that have passed as well. And remember, the tickets are only available to four o'clock on the day of the performance, because then we have to close the box office and start organising for the evening performance. So it's all very ephemeral. It's all in the moment, which is what we love about theatre, really, isn't it? Um, It's been amazing so far. Last night you'll have seen Casey J. Andrews' beautiful performance, uh, The Archive of Educated Hearts. I had to think there about the title. I'm so, I've got so many different shows swimming through my head. But it was a beautiful performance. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, a really, a really nice tone set. And I kind of... I think, you know, she talked about being it being sort of almost documentary-like in part. Documentary slash theatre to me. And I felt that. But I think that... The parts where she spoke, um, the sort of direct address stuff, was so not the documentary, or was was so theatrical to me. The language was theatrical. It was delicately kind of woven and very specifically chosen. Um, so, so even though there were lots of documentary elements, that that's what brought it. That's what made it really theatrical for me, and that's what I loved about it: the way she spoke and the choice of words and stuff. And it it made me think as well about all that time spent studying theatre and thinking, you know, you can do so little and yet say so much. I mean, this performance is normally done for an audience of up to five people, she was telling me. And also she's seated the whole time and there's barely any movement at all. It's it's very, very steady, very careful um, and delicate and, and yet so vividly theatrical, you know. So I hope you got a chance to see it last night at half past seven. Um, if you didn't, like I say, then unfortunately you've missed it. So don't miss any more. Go to sheddenborough.com and book your tickets now for the upcoming shows. There's so many still to see and there's definitely something there for everybody. Um, there's there's comedy, there's storytelling, there's there's high drama, there's daft silliness. And there's there's all types of stories and all types of performances for everybody there. So it's it's a brilliant lineup, and I'm so looking forward to the rest of the festival. Now, if you want to support this podcast to keep it going past 150 episodes, and you've already done so much by listening and by tweeting and all the rest of it, but you can join your fellow patrons uh, in supporting the podcast financially, even in a small way, by going to puttingittogethercast.com and looking for the yellow donate button. And you can follow the prompts through PayPal to make a donation. You can make a a big or a small donation. You can make it regular or one-off. It's up to you. So remember, puttingittogethercast.com 
and the yellow donate button is what you're looking for. So, it's been great. It's been great to talk to to Casey and um, it's a funny old way of doing things. I mean, so far, for the most part, I've spoken to artists before they went to do the show and and I, and I don't know the show. So, it's, this is it's been great for me, actually, because I'm sitting across from them. I'm having a conversation about a show that I can only imagine. Um, and I suppose it, it asks them, the artists then, to... to step into a way of talking about the show that's open enough that we can discuss the subject matter without me having to have seen it um, and there's no pretense about that like I'm not kidding on that I've seen it for you and you know changing the timeline or anything that just you know it is what it is so it's been cool for me because I get to talk about it and then right after that I go and I sit and I watch the piece and I've got all that stuff in my head so it gives me this extra edge to it and then it's going to be the other way around for you, um, which I think is just as just as fun. You, you see the show and then the next day at midday you can pick up this episode and get a wee bit of insight. So I'm so delighted, you know, that the artists are, are also taking the time to sit and talk to me. And it's a, it's a huge opportunity for me to be able to not just see all this work, obviously, but um, talk to the people that are making it and find out what makes them tick and where it all came from and kind of the stories behind it to some degree. Um and often what they're getting at. Because, I mean, of course, we get that through the through the shows, but sometimes, you know, people... I know me, personally, I've done things, and people take one thing from it, and I've got all sorts of other things swimming around in my head that I'd love to, you know, put across, or, you know, we can, we can all take different things away. So to hear the artist directly speak about what their kind of take on it is, it's great, and it doesn't have to agree with my take on it when I see it, of course. Um, but it's just interesting to have that extra edge. So, with that in mind, I'm going to put you over now to my interview with Casey J. Andrews, um, talking about her show, The Archive of Educated Hearts, which you'll have seen last night. And if you didn't, well, get the finger out and start booking for the future performances. Shedinburgh.com and look for the tickets button. It's below each performance. And remember, all the donations go to the Shedload of Future Fund, which helps young and emerging artists get to the fringe the next time we have one. Next year, we hope. Um trying to level the playing field and give opportunities to, to people who might not be able to do it otherwise. So um, that's that's where we're at. And I'm going to bring you now my interview with KCJ Andrews. So sit back, relax and enjoy. She's with me and we are putting it together. A tragedy is a fault line. A fracture dividing the world as it was from the world as it is now. In the moments when we struggle to keep afloat, when the night seems twice as long because we can't sleep for all of the anger of the unfair world coursing through every electric fibre of our bodies, jaw involuntarily clenched with the futility of it all, when the right words don't seem available but silence won't suffice either. I have done a show in a shed before. Oh, okay. Which was this show um, that I'm doing today. But um, so it's it, made for a shed. It's made for a shed. Ah, <laughs> the uniqueness of that. And exact in it's the exact same footprint as the original shed as well, six what by eight. Know? So, um, but uh, but just me alone this time round, obviously. So, would you have audience in the shed? 
I did when I first did it. It was in the, the back of the Pleasance Courtyard and it was me and five people, um, which right now seems insane because we were very much on top of each other. <laughs> yes, we um, don't do that these days. No. <laughs> um, in fact, even at the end of the festival, it was getting really um, busy and there were a few performances where we needed to just squeeze some extra people in, which which was <laughs> stupid. Wow. Um, but yeah, so, um, so I've done um, a shed show connoisseur <laughs> very much so so you're i mean this show is made for a small audience so how do you think that that is going to translate in the sense that you're not going to have any audience mm. and yet you're going to have a large audience that's interesting i um well i have done it for slightly larger audiences um the the nicest thing about when it was originally in this this intimate space was that uh, we were gathered around a table and we we're all looking at photographs so it's all yeah. based on interviews i sort of think of it as like um like doc like a crossover between documentary and theater i did these interviews not knowing what how i'd use them for the show or yeah. what i'd write and actually what the the women that i spoke to um said it, it was all so poignant that i didn't want to bastardize it at all i just wanted to use their exact words sure so we're listening to them we're gathered around a table we're looking at photographs basically a photo album of all of their different lives and stories and the things that they've done um and i think that intimacy for camera is probably hopefully going to translate well yeah i mean you're probably <laughs> in a, a fairly uniquely privileged position to have made it for a shed <laughs> and for a small audience for an intimate audience yeah but you but i suppose if you're doing it live you it does give you a lot of extra work doesn't it mm. if you if you can only fit five people in at a time yeah. <laughs> assuming people want to see it then you're gonna have to work pretty hard yeah well and it, and it's quite i always wonder i think it must be quite an um it's quite an exposing experience i suppose as an audience member as well oh, yeah, because you yeah. can't just sit back in the darkness and um react and to the show however w without anyone else seeing you you're you're sat opposite other audience members who are inevitably slightly lit yeah um and it's quite a uh it's a show that a lot of people connect to emotionally it's about breast cancer mm -hmm. but um b broadly it's about it's about connections and family and any kind of loss or grief so even if you know people haven't been affected by cancer or breast cancer um i've i've not met anyone who's come through to see the show who's not been affected in one way or another by by grief of course, um, yeah, yeah. and losing loved ones so yeah i i do i i wonder sometimes but i i do warn people if people are going through a, uh, a difficult time i've had friends who've maybe lost family recently and they've said oh i want to come and see it. i said just I don't make sure. Yeah, trigger <laughs> make, warning. Yeah, make sure that you're that you're you're okay to come and see it, especially if it, when it was in the really intimate setting. Because because um, yeah, I thought, I, as an audience member, I'd, I'd maybe I'd find it quite a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, is it a way for you to process things that have happened in your life? Is that is that what it's about? Partly, uh, I don't really. I don't like to see. Um, I don't like to make theatre as a way to as therapy for myself sure. okay i think that's important but um it has it it all happened actually unexpectedly when i was making the show a lot of things happened and so it did become a part of the process of writing it while i was mm -hmm. writing the show um one of the women that i interviewed was my auntie karen and um and just before I interviewed her, because I'd been sort of planning it for a while, and it was always I was always going to go ahead. My my family um, 
uh, breast cancer runs in the family. My mum and all of her sisters, all four of them, they've all got breast cancer. I thought, wow. well, right about what I know about. This yep. has been a part of my life for a long time. I know some other really incredible women um, who've also had breast cancer who I'd be really interested to talk to. So some of my old, my, my old drama teacher from school, for example, and my old singing teacher. I thought, oh, I want to talk to them because they, they, you know, they've got stories that are worth listening to. And, um, and this has always been, it had always been in the pipeline. And then when I set about making it, um, my auntie's cancer progressed for the first time in years. And so suddenly my, my mum was, was, I was living at my parents' house at the time. My mum was dealing with that, receiving that news. One day when I got home from sending out press releases, I got oh, okay. home and she told me that. And then a couple of weeks before um, the very first show in Edinburgh in 2018, I found out that Emma, um, who was my drama teacher, um, well, first of all, I found out that her treatment had stopped working and then she had a couple of weeks to live. And then about two weeks before the festival, she died. Oh, my word. Um, so she never got to see the show. But her story is, um, well, when you see it, her story is, it's, that's kind of the story that set off the spark of of wanting to do a show about mothers and daughters and breast cancer because when um when I was at school um she was just beginning to to start um this idea of traveling around with her daughter Molly um and so when Molly was uh well when Molly was 11 years old they they went on some amazing incredible holidays and adventures they went all over they went to Australia uh, they went to like Angkor Wat. They went well. In the show, Emma describes all of the places that they went. We'll leave <laughs> Emma, it to her. Yeah, we'll leave it to Emma. Emma, Emma definitely describes uh, all of their sort of adventures and journeys together much more eloquently than I am now. <laughs> um, what I found incredible was that um, that Emma and Molly were having the chance to create all of these memories. Yeah. While knowing that you know her time was limited. Uh, and this is what Emma speaks about in the show. And that's what I found so moving and touching and incredible that that um, there's something so powerful and strong about creating new memories when you know you're doing it for someone else. She was doing that for Molly. Um, she doesn't get to hang on to them, really. Not for long, anyway. Yeah. Emma yeah. doesn't, you know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing that the last few years of her life were based around that and around Molly. And they did all of these incredible things together. In fact, in the last like couple of weeks I think before she died they even managed to get to see the Harry Potter shows in London oh cool um I don't know who sorted that out for them but I mean she was thrilled that they managed to they managed to fit that in as oh, well that's wonderful um so yeah so I wanted to so I knew about uh Emma's story and everywhere she was going I was seeing it on Facebook and I wanted to I wanted to talk to her about that but of course did not anticipate that um I interviewed her in January and then it was July that she died um and uh and yeah couldn't have predicted that that it would have been it would all been so close together so actually yeah it was it was quite personal and um difficult doing the show and writing the show and getting it all set up at a time when i was sort of facing um my own family dealing with um the news of of karen's cancer mm. and and then also emma as well who had been part of my life you know all through secondary school um, so yeah, but I would never, I never embarked. I didn't embark on it to be, um, sure. something to help me process it, but it was, it was a very, uh, challenging 
thing to go through. <laughs> that's what I was just thinking. I mean, you, you did start to make a show about this, that subject matter, mm. but you didn't see all that kind of extra material, if you'll allow me to use that word, yeah. to come in. But yeah. you just you just work it in. So, it's a, so there's a sort of a life and art, yeah. you know, blurred line thing going on, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, it was never meant to be a show about grief or death. Um, right. And then... <laughs> but you can't ignore it. No, no, it's it's such a huge part. Of, if you're dealing with a life limiting illness, it's yeah, I mean, a huge part of being able to process it is acknowledging what's happening and acknowledging what's going on in order to be able to enjoy that time with your loved ones. Yeah, sort of being upfront and yeah. honest with yourself and everyone yeah. about that. Yeah, and um, and uh, for me, because I end up speaking in the show then about talking to my mum, who's also had breast cancer um, a few few years ago. Um, and uh, and I talk in the show about uh, not being very emotionally vulnerable or emotionally open. It's a show about mothers and daughters, and I'd always watch uh, and see all of these things that Emma and Molly were doing on um, on Facebook and all their pictures of all their travels. And I thought, well, you know, you don't want to go through life and then look back and regret what you didn't do. Mm-hmm. And how can you be, how can you sort of move away from being like the teenager? How can you, how can you move into being an adult? And I am, I'm almost 30, so I should definitely have moved into being an adult, by the way. <laughs> don't speak um, too soon, I'm 35. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about how do you, how do you shift away from that relationship that you have with your parents when you're a teenager into a relationship when you really can become closer with your parents and be emotionally vulnerable and not have all these walls and barriers up. Because um, yeah. I'm quite an emotionally guarded person and a lot of moving forwards is to, to that relationship with your parents, I think is being letting your guard down and being more vulnerable, which is something that I've always found very hard. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. And I think it also requires a kind of a shift of the roles. Or yeah. a, let, a letting go of the roles yeah. because we, you know, we we're kind of either in one or the other. We're either yeah. the child being looked after by the yeah. parent, or we switch when we get older, don't we? Yeah. To being the looker and looking after yeah. person, but there's a something in between where we drop the. Yeah. You're the mother and I'm the daughter. Yeah. We have to let that go, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Has your other work had such a personal and, uh, you know, taking in things that are happening in your life at the time? Has that always been the case for your work? Um, it it hasn't um explicitly. I think that it there's always been a through line. There's always been a thread of. Um, I wrote a show years ago, 2013, which was about it was about the First World War, mm-hmm. and it was about family and it was about growing up. And you just, <laughs> I just look back at that now and I see how much of it is about uh, my own experience growing up and my own family. And of course, you write that in because that's what you understand and and whatever message I'm I'm trying to put forward with a with a show um inevitably and invariably my own experience finds its way in but it's only in recent years my my parents have said to me actually wow you know you're writing about um what's going on with you at the moment they were worried about the show I wrote last year um for Edinburgh was an adaptation of Moby Dick right um but it was modern adaptation it was about a woman that was sort of on on the brink of perhaps like a an emotional breakdown this sort of manic episode going through london following the river and um and they they asked me afterwards quite concerned you know if i was okay i'm like no no no, i'm i'm fine (laughs) i'm fine but of course i you know you draw from your own experience to write these shows but there is a i do think there's a 
the Archive of Educated Hearts is certainly the only one where there is, it's a direct and very clear connection to my own life and it is me talking about my own life. The other shows I've written are absolutely influenced by my own experience and my own thoughts yeah. and understanding of the world. Um, but um, but yeah, Archive is the only one where it's it's just me being myself and talking about my family. <laughs> well, it's weird how it happens though. I mean, I wrote a, an adaptation of a Greek comedy and it ended up being about me and I was like the central character I was like oh for goodness sake <laughs> and I kind of didn't even see it happening he went through all the same stuff as me in younger years and stuff and, and I was like but it was so far removed how could this possibly happen and you realise that's just a backdrop isn't it and yeah. really these they're just people yeah. so of course they're influenced by yeah. your experience and stuff I was going to write a show this year for the Fringe about Echo and Narcissus mm -hmm. just because I've been wondering whether I'm just a narcissist who just <laughs> <laughs> just like writing shows about myself Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but the Greeks are amazing for that I mean yeah. they're becoming almost I think they're becoming more prevalent now like you've got um, have you heard Hades Town? I, do you know what? I haven't, I haven't, and I'm desperate to. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Do it, do it as soon as you can. I mean, you're busy today, <laughs> but at some point, listen to it. It's amazing. And they do have sort of, it It goes back to the roots of storytelling, mm. doesn't it? And you see allegories for everything that we've, yeah. that's happened since. Yeah. I think my, um, in the, in archive, my nan puts it really well, because I was trying to get to the bottom of, like, why do we care about stories? Why do we tell stories? I'm always, you know, I'm always questioning myself. Like, you know, I tell a lot of stories. I talk a lot. Why do you do it if it's not just to feed your own ego? And yeah. I think my nan puts it really well in the in the archive. I interviewed my nan as well. Mm -hmm. um, she's great. And, um, and she says, she speaks about why stories are important and also why listening to stories is so important because sometimes it isn't even about giving people advice. It's just about sitting there and listening to someone's story, just listening to what they have to say just to make them and that on its own will make make somebody feel better um yeah. asking all of these women like well why do we what's the point in, in me talking about breast cancer and telling stories about breast cancer how on earth is that going to help anyone but actually um i mean listening to their stories alone is i think oh it speaks for itself that they're all of these women all of the things that they've done and their experiences they just serve as a something that's really it, it's really you can really hold on to the different ways that they've approached something incredibly difficult in their life and they've all approached them in dif different ways um and how how you face something that is unimaginable because of course so many people so many people if it's not cancer then there'll be something else that comes up in your life unexpectedly but no one's immune from that no yeah. no and then but until it happens to you you do feel invincible mm, that's for other people yeah. or people <laughs> yeah. on tv or something yeah yeah, but as you say, the power of just someone holding space and actually being heard mm. is massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's as old as the hills. I'm always talking about it on this show about how <laughs> like telling a story is just like when you get a rollicking good story, people yeah. love it because it just doesn't. We don't get sick of that. Yeah. For whatever reason. So you're, how are you feeling right now? Because you're about to go and do the show. Um, good. Uh, I should I've done this show hundreds of times so yeah. it should all be fine but inevitably last night I was going oh maybe I I should run over it again <laughs> do I actually know <laughs> do it? I know it will I get it wrong I know it. I, I should know it inside out it's also not a very long show it's only 30 minutes right 
and about half of that isn't me speaking it's the ladies speaking <laughs> oh are they recorded voices yeah oh yeah, so you're yeah, not yeah. saying so their words no yeah you so we hear them exactly yeah exactly right, okay. as they were and and as i said when i interviewed everyone i didn't know how i was going to use it i thought it was just going to be source material sure um but actually i thought i don't want to i don't want to I don't want to act out what they're saying. This is far more interesting listening to them saying it. Yeah, well, as soon as you mediate something without good reason, you remove, yeah. you know, you take one step away, don't you? Yeah. If you if you need to do that, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's worked really well. Um, I, I, I'm i so glad that I, I left them all in the show as they are in their own words. Yeah. There was a version that I was trying to do. I can't remember why there was a lot of versions of this where I was going oh maybe this will work there was one version where I had I thought oh we could you could go into the shed and then you get to choose which woman you phone and oh. then you just get the phone call and you hear their story in the end I can't remember why I didn't go ahead but there was probably some technical issue or me going that's just that's a, tech that's nightmare. a technical nightmare yeah. and I've just got a shed um but yes yeah, so I think that was the start of the idea of that was when I was first going and I just don't think I can I think that it's going to be better if we just hear them talking mm-hmm. um yeah, but sometimes that you know coming up with the ideas like phones and it's um, we get distracted from mm. what's actually we're trying to say. Yeah, so you go, we could do this. We could have lights, things, people flying down. You know, smoke, yeah. and then yeah. you're like, just tell the story. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So how how have you been during this crazy time in the world? I've been um, I've been really. I mean, I've luckily for me, I've I'm living in a house with some friends. I've been okay yeah. personally. I it was strange when I I flew back from the Adelaide fringe and um and it was basically when we landed at Gatwick that I realized the severity of everything that was going on. We went into lockdown one week afterwards on the um on the train actually just after I'd landed my mum rang me and um one of my uncles unfortunately he had coronavirus and um subsequently he he passed away during during this time which was really difficult and yeah. and even more difficult um sort of looking at one of my other aunties who then were in a really difficult time and not only are you grieving in that time but then you can't have anyone around you either which yeah, is I mean, it's I an mean, extra layer of awful. Yeah, so so you can't have the same support that you would have when you're when you're grieving. So it, that that was really hard. Um, and I think and my nan's been really struggling, um, being so isolated. So that's hard. And because we're we're very 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 close family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm lucky in terms of um, like work has been fine. I've managed to get a, <laughs> a yeah. remote job. That's been okay. Oh great. And um, I've yeah living with friends not been alone yeah it's yeah so so that's all been okay i mean obviously i'm very worried for the future of, of my job <laughs> but, all, um, yeah. uh, but apart from that um yeah it's just sort of trying to work out how do you how do you support your family when you can't actually be there like, i don't that's that that was very hard and yeah yeah well on that note <laughs> i'm gonna let you go and get ready and get into the shed Great. Thanks so much. Which you designed, we should point out as well. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I was I I was speaking to Gary months ago on a podcast yeah. about about the archive of educated hearts being in a shed. He was talking to me um from his shed. Yeah. He's half mentioned the shed in Fringe, so I guess when it came back up again. Um yeah, the design, the design. I so I work as a designer as well. Right. So um 
um, mainly in immersive theatre. And um, and so this was a great opportunity to just throw all of my old shed props. <laughs> so they're <laughs> back all in at there. A new shed. Yeah, it's like 10 years worth of Edinburgh. Wow. Um, so you're going to be, it's a totally different experience for you being in that shed then because you're surrounded by kind of your own history. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> literally, there's all of my old student shows are in there. Wow. Everything. It's just like, when did I first come to the Fringe? I first came when I was 19 in uh, 2009. Wow. So, so it goes all the way back. Of, yeah. Gosh. Some old venue passes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, off you go and yeah. get comfortable in your history. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a good show. Casey J. Andrews there, and I'm sure you'll agree what a gorgeous show it was. I hope you got a chance to see it. Now, remember, what's coming up is, I mean, it's its a great lineup, as you know. So, shedinburgh.com, get your tickets now. And remember that they only show once, and that tickets are only available until 4 o'clock on the day of the performance. Which is cool, because we get that, we get the sort of immediacy that theatre gives us, that we don't get from... Netflix or whatever and we don't even get from TV anymore do you remember there used to be a time when we would you know make an appointment to watch something because if you missed it you missed it uh, or we would try and tape it but that would go wrong uh, things like that and now you know there's there's nothing really missable on telly or you know online whereas in this case it really is um, a one-off chance to see a uniquely presented version of the performance in question. They've been fantastic so far, so I know you'll agree with that. So remember, shedinburgh.com is where you can get your tickets and all the information. And stay tuned to this podcast because there's more information coming in. There's there's a few things, I think, up the sleeves of the company here, things that might not have been put on the website that we don't yet know about. Um, so this is where you can get that information, a wee bit of backstage goss as well. Keep uh, tuning into this podcast every day at midday or whenever you can, and feel free to go to puttingittogethercast.com and click on the yellow donate button if you can spare a few quid to keep this podcast going. This has been episode 150 of Putting It Together, and it's also been the Shedcast as part of Shedinburgh Fringe Festival. Thanks very much for your support up till now with the festival and with with this podcast in general. Thanks for listening. Thanks for writing to me and being pals on this wee journey. So until tomorrow, a new show, a new interview um, and a brand new episode at midday, I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now.